Welcome to Rack Talks, a podcast dedicated to the latest trends from the world of Rack Tech, FinTech, and financial regulations. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning Rack Tech provider Know Your Customer. Today, it's my great pleasure to welcome Una Vandenberg as my guest. Una is an award-winning compliance officer with over 18 years of experience in a range of fields in financial services. Originally from Northern Ireland, Una has built and led various compliance risk frameworks and teams across the industry. She is the managing director and founder of Virtual Risk Solutions, as well as the founder of Raw Compliance, a global platform for the compliance community. Una, thank you so much for being here. It's my absolute pleasure, Klaus. Thank you for having me. As a bit of an icebreaker, I love asking our guests about their professional journey and what has brought them to the world of regulatory compliance and rec tech. I personally find these stories very inspiring, as every journey is unique in its own way. So may I ask you, how would you describe your own journey? And maybe what are some of the key turning points that have brought you to where you are today? Well, first and foremost, I studied law at university. And when I finished my first degree, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I loved law. I really enjoyed it. But I was like, do I, in the UK, we have solicitor, barrister. And I was like, do I want to be a solicitor or barrister? So I took a gap year to get work experience. I worked with a QC, with a barrister in Belfast. I worked with the high court. I worked in a solicitor's office. I worked in a, in a legal search firm. And I just couldn't find my niche. So then I went on to study further and participated at a master's course at the University of Maastricht. During that course, I then got the opportunity to go to the European Central Bank, and they subsequently offered me a training, a stage for six months. My job was to advise the Central Bank of Ireland and Bank of England on monetary policy. And here was me, having just left university, thinking I knew everything. And I very quickly realized that I knew nothing about how financial services operated. So whilst I could read regulations incredibly well, and I hope I don't sound pretentious saying it, but it was what I loved to do. I realized that I didn't know products. So I knew I had a love for regulation. I knew that I had a desire to work in the financial sector. But at this point in time, compliance didn't necessarily exist as a job when you come out of university. And we're, we're talking here, I suppose it's about 2004. And, um, and you know, even if you look at the likes of Goldman's, their compliance function only started around sorry, 1997, 1998. So this was very early on in the development of compliance functions. So I went to JP Morgan, I joined the product development team, learning how to, how to develop product. And whilst I was there, I came across this magical department called compliance. And I hope I don't speak out of turn here, they're head of compliance. He worked through the morning and then he would spend the whole lunch in the pub. And then afterwards we'll come back to work. And I thought, hey, this isn't a bad job. You know, he gets, he gets to do what I love. He gets to work in regulation. Plus he gets to go to the pub for lunch. So I thought I'll move into compliance. And I remember going to a recruiter on London Wall in London, met with this recruiter and said, look, you know, I've trained, I've got a legal degree. I worked at the European Central Bank. I worked in the financial regulation team. I've now worked in JP Morgan doing product development. I'd love to move into compliance. And the response to me was, well, you're not qualified to work in compliance. We can't sell you because you've no experience in compliance. And I, I thought this was really bizarre. I was like, I'm sitting there with all of what I think on paper is the perfect blend of what somebody needs to be a compliance officer. And I'm being told that I didn't have what it took. 
But I'm one of these people that when you say no to me, it makes me try twice as hard. So I took it upon myself to find a job in compliance, which I did. I then joined Bank of Tokyo Mitsubishi in London as a compliance officer. And within the next 18 months, I won UK Young Compliance Officer of the Year for CompliNet. So I was ecstatic about the fact that I got into compliance. I found my dream job and I also was able to prove somebody that said I couldn't do it wrong. So it was a a win-win situation. And then in terms of where I've got to, where I have today, I worked, as I mentioned, Bank of Tokyo Mitsubishi. We were doing Mifid implementation at the time when I joined. We were only a team of seven people. So two people in advisory policy and training, which was myself and my, my manager at the time, Steve Anderson. And over the pace of, of space of the 18 months, we grew to just over 40 people within the team because we expanded to cover the European operation. So that was incredible. We led MIFID implementation, cross-border implementation of the the review analysis of onshore, offshore, and obviously working in advisory with the business. I then jumped over to ING where I led the design for the global control room. So focusing on kind of conflicts of interest in the market abuse directive, which was quite new at the time. And then from that, I got promoted at ING to move out to Singapore. And that's where my age journey started. And then from there, I've worked across various financial institutions in Singapore and in Hong Kong, where most recently I was APAC head of internal audit and compliance at Citibank. And just before that, I was involved in the regional APAC remediation on the back of the deferred prosecution agreement for HSBC. So I've had a really, really exciting career. I'm incredibly humbled by the career I've had. But one of the biggest lessons I would say to people is When you come into compliance, compliance is an incredibly diverse field. Do not get siloed and stuck in one role within compliance. And I think my CV, whilst probably could look jumpy at times, is testament to that. I wanted to continually learn and grow and develop within compliance. And compliance is one of those jobs you can never, ever get bored in. That is fascinating, Una. It really resonates with me how diverse the compliance function is by now. And we see that in our own products and our interactions with uh, all our partners. But there is a follow-on question that you opened yourself up to. So did that boozy lunch after an easy morning ever get reality for you? No, no. (laughs) You were lured in by a false promise. I was. I was. But I have to say, working in compliance has been more rewarding than I could ever have imagined. In fact, what I've learned over the years, and again, this is me starting off very young, kind of aggressive, going into the job. And as I admitted, you know, I learned very early on that technically I needed to be much stronger on the products to really understand the risk in the book, to be able to interpret the regulations. But what I also then very humbly learned over the years, and because I didn't always get it right, was that emotional intelligence is one of the strongest and most key key attributes a compliance officer needs to have and needs to demonstrate. And many times your job is to be the best PR machine in your organization, because what you're having to do is bring a very diverse group of people on the same journey as you to understand the importance of the regulatory framework what that means for our organization, educate them so they can understand how that applies to the risks in their area, so they can support in respect of the control, not just development, but development of the compliance culture. So early on in my career, I also always believed this was about technical prowess, me being able to demonstrate that I technically was really strong and assert that as well. 
as I have matured, I've realized that that needs to be coupled with a sense of humility and being able to listen as opposed to talk and also be able to read and understand other people in the room and help bring them on the journey. Because, you know, as compliance officers, we can very quickly jump from A to Z. We know what needs to be done, but other people in the room are still struggling to get to B. So you need to take a step back sometimes and breathe and put yourself in their positions. You know, if you have 10 people in the room, you could have 10 very diverse individuals. You may need to interpret the same thing in 10 different ways for 10 different people. And I really believe that these skill sets and compliance are underestimated, especially at the start. And one of the biggest things that I would suggest to people getting into compliance is focus as much on your soft skill training as you do on your technical capabilities, uh, because they go hand in hand if you want to be successful. For me, this vibes very much with the Rectex as we are one and how to sell the product into like the technical product into the financial institutions that uh, use them. You have the exact same challenge there. There's multiple people in the room, different buyers from users and all these uh, different viewpoints on what you're bringing in and the change it will bring. We see that a lot in the crypto and the fintech space as well. You have people who have developed amazing products but have never worked in financial institutions before. And they don't necessarily understand what the underlying requirements or the need for the regulatory framework is. You know, they've never had to work within these, these boundaries. What's really interesting in the fintech and the crypto space is you have the best intentioned individuals across the board who want to do the right thing, but they don't, they don't know where to start. So you're bringing them on an educational journey as much as you are in respect of getting the controls in place. That's one of the reasons actually why we see a lot of traditional compliance officers moving into the fintech and crypto space. And there's a couple of reasons they struggle. One is that it's because there isn't that knowledge. So you're, you can't just jump in on the technicalities. You have to go right back to basics and be able to explain it in such a basic way. And I don't mean to say that in a way that makes people sound like they wouldn't understand if you're technical. I'm a massive believer you need to start at the foundations if you want to get it right. And you should be able to explain any concept in regulatory or financial crime compliance at its most basic point. But secondly, as well, you're, you're bringing people on a journey that they've never been on before. And you're also trying to develop culture simultaneously. Your job as a compliance officer is an advisory and a monitoring support. It's not to lead and to own the risk. So you really need to slowly educate and develop so people get the comfort to absorb the ownership for the risk as well. But I, I love it, honestly, to be in compliance at this point in time where we're entering into a brand new suite of financial products. I don't think you're ever going to get another opportunity like this right now. So that's it's such a wonderful time to be in our profession as well. It's such an exciting time. And it's also a time where the compliance function changes. This such a misconception out there that compliance function is a group of people that always say no to new products. That's no longer appropriate at all. These are co-creators of new products that fit into the whole compliance universe as well. And if I may say exactly to that point, going back to what happened with me very early in my career, when I identified that I didn't necessarily have the competency on the products, that is the other challenge statement as well for going into the crypto and the fintech space. 
do you understand the product? Do you understand the risk in the product? And especially on the crypto side, where we don't necessarily have regulatory frameworks consistently in place across the globe, you're going into a situation where you need to build a GRC, a governance risk and compliance framework based on the risks that are present in the book without regulatory guidelines around what is expected from you. And this is where understanding the product and understanding the risks in the product are of paramount importance. What I see in particular in the crypto is you're not expected to be an expert per se, but you need to understand what types of risks um, and in particular financial crime risks the crypto products are exposing you to before you can even begin to build the risk framework around it. So it's, again, really exciting time. But as a compliance officer, your skill set expectations are increasing in respect of competency and capability. Well, skill set, that brings us neatly to the topic of education and uh, community. And as many of our listeners already knew, you are also the CEO and founder of Raw Compliance. This is a platform for the global compliance community, and it's been incredible to see how fast the community has grown in the past couple of years. Could you tell us a bit more about its mission and what specific need it is addressing for compliance professionals worldwide? The problem statement was, was this. I've realized over the years that we, unfortunately, within our industry, suffer from financial exclusion. And what I mean by that, um, not, for example, in a traditional banking sense, is rather that our industry qualifications are becoming increasingly expensive to the extent that in some instances the qualifications are more than some families make in a week, never mind a month. And that is absolutely fundamentally wrong. We need people from all walks of life with all capabilities and skill sets coming into the compliance ecosystem to help support us to develop our understanding of risk and also our controls Because, you know, we have seen over the years multiple enforcement actions and the remediation work is just doing the same thing again and expecting a different result. So my biggest problem statement was, like, why are compliance qualifications so expensive? And some of the qualifications in the market, they don't equip the individuals to be able to hit the ground running and to do the job. They're very much, you know, what is Ergmont? What is, what is FATF? I, I don't mean to be rude, but when you walk into a day-to-day -day role in compliance, that's not your number one. <laughs> that's not your number one need to know. What you do need to understand is, what does this mean for me? What do I need to do? So having spoken with a number of senior people in the industry, we realized that there was a massive gap for free training in the market just globally to support compliance. And that is where raw compliance came from, to develop a platform where we could rely on experts and senior compliance figures from across the industry, help educate people without a price tag. And initially, this was funded from my own pocket. It was such a desire to pay it forward. Luckily, now we're beginning to get some sponsorship through and every penny we get is invested back into developing our training platform and the tech that we use to support it. So I'm proud to say in the past, you know, just over a year, we've trained over 7,000 people globally. It has been extraordinary, but this wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for the support and the time of senior industry professionals who've given up their time to do this for free. We are so privileged, but we couldn't do this without the support of everybody else in our industry. And I'm really, really proud of what we've achieved, but I'm also conscious of the fact that this is the tip of the iceberg and there's so much more we can do. The only challenge right now is time and money in order to get the, the finances to support it, but we're getting there. 
That sounds fantastic, Owner, and uh, it actually made me immediately want to contribute ourselves as well. All right, let's talk a bit more about um, the crypto part. According to Bloomberg, venture capital funds poured a record $30 billion into crypto investments in 2021. Really shows a shift in crypto investing from the fringes to the mainstream of the financial industry. Of course, this growth has also far-reaching implications for compliance requirements, and you already noted. What are the key challenges related to crypto compliance, and how can the industry solve them effectively? Obviously, the intention of, for example, let's talk, you know, back in 2009, the development of Bitcoin was to create a decentralized financial system where, you know, your money um, and your investments were not dependent on decisions uh, taken by local government, but rather by an ecosystem of a community. And I think we saw most recently in Afghanistan, the, the worst case that can happen when a financial system does collapse, you lose everything. And obviously the, the crypto space, the crypto asset space, the, the wider web 3.0, that is phenomenal what it can do to basically ensure that you retain value in your assets because it's not dependent on on one government or one entity to dictate. The growth as well on the back of the pandemic has been exceptional. For example, this is a 2020 stat, but we saw around a 68% increase in Nigeria alone on investment in crypto assets on the back of the pandemic commencing. And what has been really phenomenal is the pandemic has pushed not just crypto assets, but digital finance to the forefront. You know, how can we operate in an ecosystem where we don't need to walk into a bank? How can that happen? And, you know, a lot of banks have been caught out because they thought that their development plans for digital had a few years to go before they got to where they needed to be. And then you've seen the likes of, for example, ING and DBS in Singapore amazing advancements on the digital side of digitalization for the, the consumer platforms. The challenge in compliance is in the traditional bank, whilst we have seen digitalization on the front end and the first line, we haven't necessarily seen it in the back of the room where everything happens. So the customer is seeing a new, exciting digital experience. But in the compliance side, we're still stuck with the same old manual processes, which again, the pandemic brought to the forefront. You know, how can we manage with these processes if we're no longer sitting in an office and working together? Trade finance was a brilliant example of where in many instances we're still reliant on physical documents being received into the bank to do certain, for example, KYC and screening. That's not sustainable. And in Singapore, we've seen amazing initiatives to develop some blockchain technology around that. Um, and that was back in 2019, early 2020, that was happening. The challenge, however, is global adoption. With digitalization, also the change in way consumers act and behave, um, and also the move towards crypto, we need to rethink what the skill sets are that are necessary for compliance officers. Traditionally, they were lawyers, they were accountants. What we need now is to see much more investigative capabilities coming through. And we've seen that a lot of organizations have hired people with ex both police and intelligence backgrounds. Uh, we need much more data analytic and harvesting capabilities, but most importantly, we need much more automation to happen. And, and KYC is a great, great example of this. You know, our job is to protect the consumer. It's also as well to make sure our clients have the best experience. And in the digital world where things can happen at the push of a button, 
the next generation are expecting that. You know, they're expecting to be able to do everything instantly and digitally. The challenges I see at the moment are the compliance side. There has been a lack of innovation over the past few years. And again, that was another driver for raw compliance is not because people don't want to change. It's because they don't have the time to change. We are increasingly regulated. We are increasingly assessing new and emerging risks. And unfortunately, our systems don't proactively identify those risks. We are either finding them out through enforcement action or through notifications from regulators or other industry bodies. When are we going to have the time to digitalize or to automate processes which previously have been largely manual? Secondly, efficiencies and economies of scale. Let's take KYC and credit risk. Credit risk and KYC always stand alone. They're two very different departments and never shall the two speak. But the documentation that we obtain for our credit risk is the same in many instances that what we need to obtain for our client documents, which we don't review unless the periodic review becomes due. Why aren't the synergies there? Why isn't this matching up together? And the, the quick answer is, is because we have decentralized risk in such a way that we siloed risk into functions to specialize that we've forgotten about the risk that we're trying to manage. And we've also forgotten about the customer experience. Compliance is not a checklist process. It's not a tick the box process. The minute it becomes that is the minute that you're going to start running unnecessary risk in your book because you've stopped thinking. So we need to work now with much more pragmatic, digitalized, and also, I hate to say it, but the inclusion of machine learning and AI is going to be critical because what we want is we want our analysts and focusing on material key risks. And unfortunately, with a lot of the technology today, that is not happening. Transaction monitoring is a great example. There's a two to eight percent accuracy in our traditional transaction monitoring systems. You know, that means that we're looking at around a 92 percent false positive ratio. That's insane. Um, and it's not proactive risk identification either. Sorry, that was a very long answer to a short question. Thank you so much, Una. These have been amazing answers to our questions. So thanks for all that. I do have one more, though. It's our last question that uh, I ask all my guests. So if tomorrow you woke up and somehow you had become the global financial regulator with all the power, what would be the first thing that you would do? And of course, why? Ah, oh, it's a very good question. I would start with understanding what it is we're trying to do. In fact, the president of FATF said this last year, and I couldn't say it. He said it so perfectly. I'll just repeat him. Digitalization and automation is great, but it, it, it starts with training. So I would start with training. I would start with education. Once people around you understand and have awareness on the risks, they can help support you in the development of the controls and the regulatory framework to govern that. What I don't want to do is walk into a room where I'm the only person in the room that understands what we're talking about. So my, my first step would be to make sure we had a proper education program in place to help train people so that together we could make informed decisions. I would fully agree. Uh, education is often left last and uh, technology is put first, especially in the world of rec tech, and uh, it really should be ever around. Well, Una, thank you so much. It has been excellent. Very nice to talk to you and thank you for all your input there. Thank you so much for having me, Claus, and really appreciate everything that's gone into organizing today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rec Talks. 
My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning RegTech provider Know Your Customer. If you liked the episode, please subscribe to the whole series and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us, suggest a guest or a topic for an upcoming episode, please send us a message at info at knowyourcustomer.com or visit knowyourcustomer.com slash talks.